But uh, if you have <laughs> time manipulation technology, uh, that that seems like the bigger deal here. I mean, that's basically a paradigm shift for reality. You know, it's like it's a paradigm shift for fucking uh, the porn industry, like right? <laughs> or you know what? Not even limiting itself to the porn industry, but like the uh, just sex at large. Can you imagine just like being like? I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. And then you shoot like a ropes of cum, right? And then all of a sudden you're just like, you hit the, the button and then just the ropes of cum just go back into, <laughs> like the genie goes back into the, the bottle. And you're just like, I'm gonna see. you know, you speak backwards. You're just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, geez. You can live in that loop forever. <laughs> That's pretty much... The end of humanity right there. Everybody just goes into an infinite orgasm loop, you know? I would love to have that as an address. Infinite orgasm loop. Dot com. Oh, man. It's like, like, you know... It's just like uh, you could slow it down and speed it up so it like you could see the 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 Akira veins going through your head, just like, <laughs> <laughs> like fucking scanners. Holy shit! Ah oh, man, welcome to the Robots versus Taxes podcast. <laughs> I'm Pablo Morales Martinez, and I'm Ernesto Mancibo. <laughs> And let's kick this show off. It's good to see you, man. Good to see you too, man. It's, uh, you know, as we're stuck in our separate bubbles, uh, we got to keep the contact up whichever way we can, man. Interesting episode. Interesting episode that we've got lined up for you. Um, yeah. So, E-Man, what's up, E-Man? Uh, <laughs> it's... You down with Club Silencio, man? Ooh. Silencio! <laughs> this is going to be so weird. Uh, listeners, uh, for our movie matchup, we watched uh, Mahalan Drive versus uh, Gozu. Yes. Um, there, <laughs> this is going to be a weird episode because there's not a lick of sense to be made in either film. <laughs> These films weren't made for you to be like, oh, you know, there's an A, B, and then an A structure. And, uh, this was the point. I, I just, I don't think these films were made for any particular point. It's just like, here's a whole bunch of imagery, uh, things happen and interpret. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Um, but there, there is, there is an answer to each of them. Uh, both movies are kind of puzzles, uh, and that's kind of what made me very excited for you to watch because you, Ernesto, for for those who are who are listening, Ernesto walked in fresh with both of these movies. Yep. Um, he's yep. seen a, a couple of Takashi Miike movies. Uh, he saw a couple episodes of Twin Peaks and wasn't wowed. Um, well, well, listen. Yeah. It, it, that's that's not fair to say. I, I'm just going to say that, and I'm going to be completely raw here. Um, in regards to the story, 
the storytelling style. Uh, it was interesting. It was just, it was just so white. Like they were, they were out somewhere in the cold and like everybody's house had wood paneling and it was just very so, Midwestern. Yeah. I, yeah. But like, the thing oh. about that is the thing about that. The thing I love about uh, David Lynch is, is that he takes that the weird suburban white uh, concept of Americana mm-hmm. and he flips it on its head until you're like, what the fuck is this? What it's like, it becomes this grotesque um, nightmare world. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and which is something that I heavily enjoy and which was orchestrated really well in Mulholland drive. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, just, I, I remember calling you up and, and asking what your first <laughs> impression of the movie was. And you were just like, you were giving me just like a lot of Ernesto noises, which is like, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Uh, that's me, all right. <laughs> I mean, now that I've had, I say, but uh, 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 you know, <laughs> look, now that I've had a little, a little time to think about it, I, I can tell you that this movie makes me feel like I should be doing drugs. Um, that's how out there it was. I'm just like, this is, this is what drugs are like. Yeah, agreed. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, it's weird because like if you if you watch interviews with with David Lynch, he talks as if he's like um a uh, uh, a man who's insanely hard of hearing, like mm-hmm. he's, but he's also a youth pastor in Wisconsin. Uh, are you? Is this real? Like what you're? Yeah, yeah, when yeah. it comes when out to speak, <laughs> what comes to David Lynch, I don't know what's real anymore. Yeah, I I mean when when he talks in interviews he's just like it's about a girl in trouble. <laughs> and that's about that, you know. Is that what he really sounds like? Yeah, that's what he sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to put a lot in there. There was a lot of America. He sounds like fucking, you know, uh uh an old senile version of Ned Flanders. <laughs> it's a very, very neighborino kind of the uh, speech patterns going on there. Oh wow! Um, which makes it kind of like doubly interesting with the fact that he cranks out these movies that you're just like, "What the fuck is going on here? Why am I scared?" You know. Um, he mu- he must have been the weird kid growing up. He's just like, "Oh, that Lynch boy. He's he's okay, but he's so quiet, and he just yeah. he just stares at street lamps all the time." and he listens to like the creepiest old school rockabilly like you know uh the one of the songs in this in this uh in in the movie mulholland drive is like this whole like it's called 16 season 16 reasons why i love you where it's like oh yes and i'm just like oh my god that's creepy why is that creepy that's so creepy it's the movement of the film that that really make because everybody doesn't speak um with a normal uh timbre or anything like that it's 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 very that's one thing i can appreciate about his work every single second is deliberate um there's nothing there's nothing that seems like it's 
throw away or just out of place. It's like from the from whatever's out of focus in the background, you feel like that was a conscious choice. Uh, when did it dawn on you that it was like, oh, this is intentional, like where where um, where you were just like. Because I know for a fact that you must have been like kind of thrown off by like the the character of Betty played by Naomi Watts, where she like <laughs> arrives in California and she's like, oh, wow, amazing. And then uh, like uh, everybody's friendly to her and she's like, I can't wait to get to my apartment. Won't that be the day? You know, it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? When when she showed up, I was just like, oh, OK, she's kind of us. <laughs> sort of just walking into this film blind like hey let's see a movie and the movies <laughs> and the movie's like no the movie's watching you you know it's like <laughs> it's like okay all right um uh just just a quick side note the the tension in this movie and in general with Stephen Lynch uh uh Stephen Lynch's work um David Lynch. David Lynch. Sorry, <laughs> you, wrong Lynch. Stephen I'm thinking. Lynch I'm the... thinking about the uh, co- the the comic singer. Sorry, and one of the creators of Sifu and Ollie, by the way. Um, yes, yes. So David Lynch, um, there was something that that felt really familiar about it, and I finally pinned it down. There is the tension in his work is very reminiscent of the um, of the dinner theater experience called Sleep No More which I've told you about in the past. Um, Sleep No More is this interactive uh, theater experience where um, it's loosely based off, off of Shakespeare's Othello. And when you walk in, it's very dark. There's very tense music um, that's sort of all over the spectrum, sometimes old-timey. And the experience is not horror, even though there's a lot of tension. It's just about this suspense that never really lets up and you're you're going into it blind and the experience just sort of unfolds you're not quite sure what it's supposed to be necessarily especially if you haven't done it before but you know that there's something actively happening and that's how i feel about uh david lynch's work Uh, but was there a key moment where you were just like okay these acting choices are intentional like to me, like th- for me, and I, I just want to like speak to my own ex- experience, uh, is that when I saw this movie f- in its full capacity, because I saw this movie once before, I theater hopped into it. Um, <laughs> I don't know what movie I, I saw, but I theater hopped into the middle of Mulholland Drive, and I was just like, "What the fuck is happening? I don't know anything that's happening." Um, Please tell me it wasn't like you theater hop from like the Matrix into this. <laughs> no, I feel like I want to say that I like I theater hopped from a Star Wars movie, like a, like a prequel. <laughs> Holy uh, like, shit! I'm coming from like. <laughs> Attack of the Clones, and I'm just like, oh, Mulholland Drive is out. Um, let me check it out. And I watch it. I'm just like, okay, what's happening? Why is, you know, it was, it, I, I, I can recall the exact moment where I theater hopped into it. It was the the acting scene where Naomi Watts co- goes in to act in front of all these these uh, shitty Hollywood types. Yeah. And, you know, and we've all we've known her in the, in the actual movie, in the full movie. You know for a fact that she acts like a Karen, right? Yeah. She's just like, 
you know, life is sunny, and I, I, I don't un- understand privilege, uh, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, she's in this uh, fucking, you know, this acting uh, mode, and then she turns it, she turns it on itself, you know, yep. um, <laughs> and I'm just like, what, like, like. When I theater hopped into it, I was stymied. I had no idea what was happening. When I watched the full movie uh, in its entirety, uh, I was like, oh, my God, this is brilliant. But there's something going on with this movie. I can't quite put my finger on it. But there's, there's, a, there's something that – a clue that will make this movie make sense. <laughs> then i watched it about five fucking times and then i was like now i get it <laughs> wow wow um i can't believe you watched this movie five times uh, it's become one of my favorite movies like i rewatch it every chance like w- like I-, I rewatch it at least like maybe four or five times a year um because Shit. it is one of my f- it's become one of my favorite movies just on the now that I understand what it's trying to say, like what the story actually is, um, I can't stop looking at it. You know, I can't it, like it's it's just this beautiful artifact to me. Um, and it's wow. crazy that it was like a it was like it's supposed to be a Twin Peaks spinoff for ABC. Right. It felt like it. If it, yeah. it really did, especially especially the part where the um, these mysterious figures that were behind a glass wall that were referenced several times uh, throughout the film. Um, they were supposed to be like the mafioso characters, right? Yeah, I'm just like, who's the who's the guy with the weird head, you know? The guy in the weird head, uh, f- uh, here's a factoid about the movie, is the little guy, the little person in Twin Peaks who dances in the I thought in the so. Room. I thought so, yeah. They, but David Lynch put him in a in a, a prosthetic suit that made his limbs look regular size. Okay. <laughs> so that's why it looks like he's this giant person with a weird shaped head. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, I think we'll be using the Dan Hedaya rating system uh, in this uh, in this movie review. Uh, Dan Hedaya was in Adam's Family. Uh, he was the evil lawyer. He was also the <laughs> capo in this movie. And on a scale of uh, one to ten Dan Hedayas, I give this movie ten Dan Hedayas. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I could appreciate that rating system. Um, the, but I, I also appreciated the, the multi-layered... Uh, questioning of reality uh, in this film because it seemed like it seemed like it was on one trajectory where we were trying to uh, help this woman regain her memory uh, as she adopted the name of Rita and uh, Betty is it Uh, who Naomi Watts plays is her name Betty yeah she plays Betty yeah Betty Um, at some point it just goes like completely left like they're they're in bed together and it turns into like this steaming like i'm in love with you kind of uh uh, just love scene and i'm just like i did not see this coming right 
right? At all. It seems to come out of nowhere as if it's a dream. (laughs) Intent. Like... You know, I don't. I don't like. I, I feel like I'll I'll spoil more of it after our, we've done what we're done with the show because there is there is one uh, there's one kind of clue that that brings it all together. Okay. But yeah. So um, also, what'd you think of uh, Laura Harrington's performance, the the titular Rita? Not titular, I- but. I um I loved her performance. It was it was uh very nuanced. Um the way she sort of slipped from uh not knowing anything about the world, not having any sort of memory of herself and being and seeming like she has no control into the character where it seems like she was all knowing and at some point guiding Betty um, when they said it was almost like a sort of role reversal there uh, it was very subtle but the the essence of the character was somehow still there um, and there 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 is some sort of symbolism with the red lips like it, it just I was so focused on them they were it's like they were a character in and of themselves it's hard to explain yeah. well I feel like because she's shot so classically like mm-hmm. she's shot like old school Hollywood. Yes. Um that I feel like he he intentionally made the red lipstick pop and feel more dreamlike. The the point in the movie where um they find the box, like this blue box mm-hmm. in in uh they come back from Club Silencio. Uh Club Silencio. Uh <laughs> to which I was just like, Madre mia, no quiero ir a Club Silencio, you know. Um, but uh, uh, where, you know, everything is pre recorded, really weird performance art. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> really like uh, Barnum and Bailey, <laughs> Bailey Circus, if they were like, you know what, we already have your money, money, money. <laughs> right? um, so um, they come back to the apartment, Naomi Watts and Laura Harrington, uh, not Harrington, uh, Laura Herring. Uh, she pulls out a blue box from her purse. She opens it with this blue key, <laughs> and then the movie changes completely. Yeah, that was, a, pe- that was a freaky yeah. visual. <laughs> yeah, and then people are calling each other by the wrong name. Betty is now known as Diane. Yeah. Um, and then creepy old people come and take <laughs> Naomi Watts away. <laughs> End <Whoa>. of movie. <laughs> wow. That blue box uh, revelation, like, first of all, when, uh, when the character of uh, Rita opens it up, um, I was just like, something really horrific is going to happen. And I was very scared. And then... Really? Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was just like, this is going to be something horrible is about to happen. And she just sort of like dis- disappears into the box. And uh, the box drops on the floor. And the way they shot this uh, was really brilliant because it's just a whoosh. And she's gone. And everything changes. Like I really appreciated that. 
Um, and later, when they animated the two old people sort of walking out of the box, uh, was it gave me very like deep Akira vibes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh my god, I would have never have thought of that, oh, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, totally, totally there with you. Um, also, um, two things that I wanted to notice. Hey, J.J. Abrams in, is in this. This movie predicted J.J. Abrams by like five years. Is it um, really? No, no, no. It's Justin Thoreau. Oh. <laughs> but he looks exactly like J.J. Abrams. You're right. You're he right. looks like a cool like a cool J.J. Abrams. Yeah. It's just uh, like, you know, I'm tired of these like, uh, you know, cool little films. I think I'll just make some Cloverfield movies or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Billy Ray Cyrus <laughs> as the pool guy. <laughs> I was just like, is that Billy Ray? Holy shit. <laughs> I was like, I know you from the fucking achy breaky thing. Um, <laughs> you were a thing at one point, right? You gave birth to Miley Cyrus. Uh, uh, go, Gozu style. Uh, oh. <laughs> Wait till we get into that. Yeah. Um, can Would you mind if uh, we just hit pause for a second? Sure, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. don't stop the recording. Just pause it. Okay. So, yeah, um, do you want to get it out of the way now or when we actually decide to get into the show? Yeah, and you're back with the Dan Hedaya podcast. All Dan (laughs) Hedaya all the time, only on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um... (laughs) We, I'm sure there's an audience for that somewhere, you know. <laughs> I know. Diehard Hedaya heads. <laughs> Hedaya heads. <laughs> <laughs> I will see all you Hedaya, Hedaya heads at HedayaCon this December. <laughs> to all the listeners out there, um, have you ever miserably masturbated while smacking your genitalia? Then... This movie, Mulholland Drive, is what the, the movie fuck? for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You didn't have to call out, you know, sad masturbation <laughs> like that. That wow. was like the, sta- the saddest masturbation scene. Naomi Watts just sadly masturbating and looking up at her ceiling. Just Ooh. like angrily smacking her friggin' pussy lips. <laughs> that was... That was something else. I was just like, I, I'm sure this has happened at some point, but <laughs> like, how, how how sad do you have to be to be like, oh god, I miss her so much. I'm gonna rub one out, you know? Yeah, just like it sends your dick to therapy. Oh, jeez. Like... <laughs> and the choice of her looking up at her ceiling while she while she was doing that and it going in and out of focus like that was very interesting and again deliberate every single second of this film is deliberate yeah um final thoughts do you have any final thoughts on um on uh, 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 uh mulholland drive I'm obviously not mature enough for this movie uh, because I still <laughs> I still don't know what the fuck I, I looked at. All I know is that it all came back around at the end when the dude from the diner uh, was staring at 
uh, Naomi Watts from across the way, the one who fainted after seeing a uh, a, a soot covered homeless person um, uh, near the beginning of the film, which was nightmare fuel, by the way. (laughs) Yes, that was a fucking jump scare. I'm just like I'm half paying attention to the film and I have like my phone in my hand. And when that happened, I was just like, oh, shit. You know, (laughs) the movie's like, take me serious. It's like. Okay, all right. Just, I'm okay. I'm good. Like, I'm, I'm just going to turn I'm on in. these lights over here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched that in the daytime, and my windows were open, and I still got a jump scare. I was just like, <laughs> holy shit. You know? Yeah. Um, so, that, that by the way, the buildup to that moment is so great because it's just these two random dudes just having a conversation in a, in a Denny's or – a Winkies, whatever they call it in, in the movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, they go out and they're, they're talking about th- the one guy with the, with the giant eyebrows. <laughs> Amazing dude. Amazing performance, that guy. Um, his brows uh, deserve like an Academy Award or something. <laughs> <laughs> For best brows. Um, so he goes, <laughs> he's describing this nightmare and then they go to the back of this diner and then um they see this apparition right Mm. uh this demon as you if you will um and i just love the tension that that because it's so like random and like kind of just spooky because it's daytime like Mm -hmm. it's daytime in the movie and he's describing this scene and it's kind of like when somebody is telling you a scary story you're just like, this is not going to scare me at all. And the more <laughs> they talk, you're just like, okay, I'm just going to turn on these lights and I'm going to just like wear these pampers just in case like I, you know, I shit myself. And It totally, I, and now that you pointed out, like that's what really, that's what also got me. I mean, I was watching this during the daytime and it was daytime in the film and you're not expecting any sort of like surprise like this, even though the, the whole thing from the giddy up was tense and then boom. They get you. The only other time I've ever, I can't even imagine a scene being similar to that where they just catch you out of nowhere was in the first Insidious movie when um, Darth Maul first peeks out from behind the other person's oh, head. Yeah. You know? And the only and the only reason that was enhanced is because that they turned the volume to that uh, to that scene to like 11 when that face popped out. Yeah. They uh, did. And insidious is just like, Oh shit. You know, something's yeah. happening. But uh, the way uh, David Lynch did this, it was just like, God damn, this is, this is brilliant. And please don't do that again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, on a scum, uh, on a scale of from <laughs> one to 10 inept uh, hitmen, uh, how many <laughs> inept hitmen do you give this movie? 10 being the highest of inept hitmen. <laughs> I mean the most inept hitman that's ever been. <laughs> I give it a, a, a 10 on the inept hitman scale. Cool. Uh, just because even though I still stand by my position that I'm not mature enough for this movie, um, I understand that I don't know enough to know that this is, I know, I know that I know this movie is supposed to be good. <laughs> Like um, fucking I, the way you described it just reminded me of uh, Homer Simpson when he's up late at night watching Twin Peaks, um, 
and he's on Twin Peaks, you know, you hear the screen going, got some mighty fine coffee in Twin Peaks. Goddamn great cherry pie. And it cuts to the screen and it's like uh, uh, the, a giant man dancing with a horse, with a white horse underneath this <laughs> uh, 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 a stoplight. And Homer's like, this is amazing. I have no idea what I'm watching. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's um, how I feel with this movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Um, so let's switch over to Takashi Miike, uh, punk provocateur of Japanese cinema. Makes like, a, uh, has made like, over a hundred, I, I think at this point he might be at two hundred films underneath his belt. Jeez. Um, and let's talk about Gozu. His, Gozu. Uh, Gozu. His uh, Japanese yakuza horror masterpiece. Um, so yeah, let's <laughs> talk about it. Oh, man, uh, from the giddy up, uh, he just hits you with mood. Just you know. Some Yakuza guys, made men sitting around watching, um, watching a video. Now, uh, we we um, I watched this uh, via Amazon Prime, uh, but I wasn't sure whether it was my internet connection or whether the sound at the beginning of the movie was supposed to be difficult. Um. Okay, so I'll tell it, you this it almost, much. It, it almost sounds like they forgot to turn on the mics. Yes. Uh, I feel like there, the movie is... It, it's a... Because Takashi, makes it, Takashi Miike um, makes 100 movies. You know, <laughs> he, he pumps out... He pumps out at least, like, 20 movies a year, right? He, he just, like, keeps turning them out. How is that possible? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what bet he lost. I don't know how uh, deep his his gambling his gambling <laughs> debts go. How many OnlyFans he's a part of? Um, <laughs> but that dude, that dude is like the Nicolas Cage of filmmaking. He's just like, I'm just gonna do whatever I whatever. Uh, lands on my plate. I'm gonna do a family film. I'm gonna you do a yakuza film. I'm gonna do a crazy sex film. You know, <laughs> and and some of these, some of them are great, and some of them are just fucking weird. And I think Gozu strikes right in the middle of it. Uh, the movie was made on a shoestring budget. Uh, it was shot on DV camera because the the movie itself. I'm just like, why does it look? It still looks kind of shitty. Like I could see like the the digital lines, right, of old DV cameras, right? Yes, yes. And um, but it's still amazingly shot. Like I loved it. I I still loved it. Um, the more the more time progresses progresses. If I can just insert this, um, yes, we live in an age of you know HD and 4K and amazing visuals, super sharp. But the more we get into that, the more I appreciate the old school look of, you know, DV cam and film and stuff that is just not quite clear. Something analog. I It, it just, I don't know, I appreciate it more and more. Yeah, because there's something very muddy about the way this movie looks. Mm -hmm. 
Um, which is weird because it's both muddy and glossy at the same time. I don't know what can <laughs> what kind of DV digital video cameras that we're using, or like uh, it looks both shitty and great at the same time. So um, and the and I think they didn't get the sound a lot of the sound right. Um, <laughs> so the sound mixing is very low. Mm-hmm. To like I I felt it on on my screen too. I was just like. Um, Sometimes they'd be talking and I'd have to turn up the volume. I'm just like, what the fuck? What's yeah. Um, so uh, I just amount that to um, just the limitations of the budget. Because I think what he was just like, uh, the sound's coming in a little shitty. Who gives a shit? Let's just put this one out. I think it's good. And then <laughs> he puts it out. And then he's like <laughs> on to his next five projects. He's like, I, I got to be at my other two films in an hour. Like, we have to <laughs> we have to wrap this up, you know? <laughs> uh, like, he's like, he's like, hurry up. We we we're we're not even supposed to be using this editing studio. <laughs> They're like, you didn't pay the guy. No, no, no. Well, let's just let's just wrap it up. You know, <laughs> You know, he crawls out out the window. He's just like, just throw the film canisters down to me. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so Gozu. <laughs> I just imagine when they throw down the canisters to him, he like he's, he's, he starts running off into the and in the into the distance, yelling his own name. He's like Takashi Miki. <laughs> I would love it if, if Takashi Miike had like a sweater that had TM like on, like emblazoned on it, like he was some kind of weird superhero. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Gozu, go, uh, can I just describe Gozu go for uh, in a nutshell? Go for it. Gozu um, is a Japanese uh, gangster film in which. Uh, a subordinate of um of a Japanese mafioso has to whack his own boss by orders from the top family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's ordered to take him to the small town, uh, whack his boss, and put him make it basically make him disappear. Uh, that kind of happens in the movie. Uh, he die the the boss die spoilers the boss dies unexpectedly, mm-hmm. and then. As um, as the subordinate is transporting the boss to be disposed of, the boss suddenly disappears. Like the corpse disappears from the car. In thin, um, into and, thin air. Yeah, into thin air. And then it's just a journey through a weird fucking town to try to find his boss. Nagoya, Japan. Nagoya, Japan. And when he does find his boss, his boss isn't doesn't exactly look <laughs> like he thought he would, like the subordinate thought he would. Um, uh, the bo- the boss is uh, played by the great show Aikawa of uh, uh, Dead or Alive fame. Ah uh, yes. Uh, you'll know him as the uh, the cop um, <laughs> who. Pulls out a bazooka out of thin air in that movie. Uh, <laughs> for those who know uh, Takashi Miike's master, <laughs> gangster masterpiece, 
dead or alive uh if you haven't seen it please it will toilet snake your soul um <laughs> that's that's actually a quote uh on the original box art <laughs> it'll toilet snake your soul yeah a truer statement has not been said about this movie wow so um but anyway that's the 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 whole uh you know uh plot of gozu is just that uh, this gangster trying to find out where his boss's body is being held because it disappeared so um ernesto thoughts on the movie there is not one normal character in this film which is to be expected from a takashi Miike film but uh i want to make note specifically of the characters in the uh in the inn that this uh, that are that our main character ends up staying several nights in um, seems to be a brother and sister team that runs this hotel and um, very peculiar a older an older woman who seems uh, very accommodating to guests I mean they have a certain credo a certain pride at this inn to uh, give the best service possible and her brother who has this look on his face of I don't give a fuck per- personified into a person like he was he stuck to that facial expression for 99% of his performance. The only time he broke it was when he was literally getting the shit whipped out of him <laughs> by his sister. Um, so I found this movie like. Uh, I, it's my second time rewatching this movie. Okay. Um, and it still has this, it still gave me this uneasy feeling like, like I can only uh, uh, make the analogy that it feels like it's, I'm like, I'm talking to somebody who's a really close talker. <laughs> Have you ever had that where they're yes. just like talking to you and they're getting like progressively closer? <laughs> <laughs> and they're making like these really weird like they're telling you this story about this weird sex thing that happened to them and you're just like I would give anything to get out of this conversation <laughs> but the more he talks it's like the more compelling it is and I'm just like oh my god that's I ha- now I have to listen to this <laughs> and then before you know it he's jerking you off so um what <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I can uh, if I can relate but okay we'll go there <laughs> So, okay. <laughs> anyway, that's my analogy. Uh, so I got, I got to uh, go to the Burger King that you go to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> that. Oh, dude, full service, full hand release service. It's crazy. <laughs> Talk about a whopper. Oh, oh, <laughs> But yeah, so um, this yeah, the, I can understand the 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 feeling that this movie gives you. Like, I think you, I think you coined it really well. It's like a close talker. Um, at what point do you feel that this movie went from I got to get away from this conversation to holy shit, this is interesting. Uh, tell me the rest. Okay, uh, one thing like one thing pulled me in like right off the bat. It's like when they're taking that trip to the town where the boss is unsuspectingly going to get whacked, right? Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. the boss is talking about um he's bringing up uh uh the the subordinate uh the subordinate's name is minami he's talking mm-hmm. about minami's um johnson <laughs> his dick or his rod or his johnson i forget um and then he's like did you have that circumcision uh to you know regular everyday locker locker room talk you know just you know how's your circumcision doing oh can i see that dick come on buddy (laughs) you know you win a game you win a couple of baseball games and you're you know you guys are sharing beers and he's just like how's that circumcision doing huh good let me see it. <laughs> it was it was one of the cut lines from the room. So <laughs> it was. So how's your sex life? Yeah, it did. It did feel like that. Um, and then what was funny about that scene was that uh, the boss has crotchless panties on hand. And he's like, hey, your girlfriend, give her these. They're designer crotchless panties. And, uh, you know, Minami's like, oh, thanks. You know. Oh, I'm I'm totally going to give these to her. Not there wasn't a single question of why do you have these? Where did you like how, what what you know these come sized? What if I what if uh, <laughs> I just who cares? Who cares at that point, right? Um but then so uh, uh, the moment where it starts to bring me in closer is that um there's this moment right before they get into the town where the boss starts losing it again right he has like a psychotic episode and he thinks that a car is following them he goes up to the car gun drawn like the the car that's that's tailing the two which isn't really tailing them Mm -hmm. he raises a gun to the car behind them he stops the that car he goes up to the the driver's seat points the gun at the person inside and he's like i'm gonna fucking kill you because you're tailing my car despite the fact that he's having a psychotic episode mm. when it cuts to the person in the car it is one of the most weirdest images i've like it's it's unsettling um <laughs> it's just a kind of, it's a woman it's mm-hmm. an elderly woman bleeding from her nose smiling just with the most deadpan smile, not saying anything, completely quiet. And then um, when Minami tackles the boss um, to try to to try to get the lady to to run away, like drive away, mm-hmm. the car drives backwards in a zigzag pattern. <laughs> it's like it yes. was so weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with this movie? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this movie? Um, like, I'm both mystified. And then, um, you know, they go to this restaurant. Uh, trans people and basically trans people are serving uh, Minami mm-hmm. as he's like listening to this conversation, this bizarre conversation <laughs> of this guy on this phone who's just it's a it's a pay phone. But it's one of those pay phones that you buy on the internet that is like, you know, you can have inside your your uh, your store, <laughs> and you you put quarters in the top, and it looks like a rotary phone. Right. So he's making this phone call, and uh, 
the, he's listening. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Minami is listening to this phone call of this weird guy just going, it was hot yesterday. Yeah, but it's colder today, but it was hot <laughs> yesterday. I'm talking T-shirt weather, but it's colder today. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? What is this? <laughs> and it just goes on and on and, and on and on. Even when on. there is even when there's dialogue in the foreground, you can still hear it in the background. This guy is insistent on distinguishing the the difference in temperature between yesterday and today and he's fully committed to it i mean it's not it's not throwaway at all he's just like no 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 like he's making a point here whatever whatever you're missing this guy has a point to make yes he's got a mission in life to tell you that it was hot yesterday but today specifically (laughs) it's colder anyway so (laughs) um that happens uh, Minami has no choice but to stay at a hotel uh, when he finds his liaison, his gangster liaison in the town um, that's supposed to help him with the hit, which is this guy named Nose, which I which is written like Nose. Right. Uh, so I kept huh. re- I, in my head, I keep referring to him as Nose. But the dude has this giant white spot on his face and it's like this crackly skin condition. Yeah. Um, that is disgusting because yes. they keep zooming in on it, <laughs> and, he and he keeps, keeps scratching. scratching. Oh, and it flakes off like yeah, it flakes off like paint. Ugh. I'm pretty sure that's a real thing. Yeah. So the movie I, at this point, like Minami is staying at this weird hotel because he doesn't know what to do because his boss's uh, body is missing. Um. And the brother-sister duo that run this hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the sister is really into Minami <laughs> and um, keeps offering him breast milk. Uh, <laughs> this movie, if, if, if there's a movie where you want to see uh, a woman just squirting gallons upon gallon of breast milk, um this is your fetish you just you you found the the fetish stops here you uh (laughs) you you've hit the jackpots my friend yeah that's uh this is it if if this is uh (laughs) if this is your 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 fix for human dairy minami's got the best like um get the fuck (laughs) out of my face kind of reactions to everything like every time he encounters something fucking weird he's just like this isn't normal this like he's he's like us He's basically like an analog <laughs> for the audience. Um, and a lot of weird shit happens in this hotel. Turns out his boss is actually alive and he's he's kind of chasing her around his phantom. Right. Like he's always the boss is always one step away from him. Like he's staying at the same hotel. He's just staying upstairs. Um, he's his boss is leaving notes for him. Um, and. Minami's just walking around this town with this really funny, like this, this drawing of his boss. Like, have you seen this man? And it's, <laughs> it's basically, it's a pencil drawing of his boss. And it's like, it's practically a stick figure. <laughs> it's so nondescript. It's just, it's, it's just like, this could be anybody, any, anybody wearing shades. And then, Everybody he meets is like, yeah, I've seen that guy. <laughs> he was just here a few hours ago. 
<laughs> you know. Um, and finally, he comes upon a garage, right? After all this weirdness, he gets visited by a guy with a cow head, um, which Gozu means cow head uh, or bull head, whichever <laughs> way it's, it's translated. Um, but it's supposed to be this kind of weird spirit. Um, so he meets his boss, and his boss is actually, it's this woman he meets uh, at this chop shop. Mm-hmm. So this woman who, who Minami rescues uh claiming to be the boss when they have sex um something goes awry uh her <laughs> awry yeah <laughs> awry like you know slipping out in the middle of the action that's awry you know yeah that's awry accidental like, uh, accidental anal that's awry that's awry yeah agreed <laughs> but what happens in this movie if you're still with us uh is that um he complains that her her pussy's too tight and getting tighter and i'm just like oh what the fuck and he he drags her into another room by his dick um (laughs) and she's still got her legs wrapped around him and um when he finally pulls out there's a hand there like a full-grown adult hand coming out of her uh, genitalia. And she proceeds to give birth to a full-grown Yakuza. (laughs) It's the slimiest fucking thing you've ever fucking seen. Yeah. Um, So there is a, just like Mulholland Drive, there's a hidden message in this movie. Um... And I think I, I'm I think I'm gonna go into spoilers. Do you want do you mind if I like Go for it. Go for I, it. If I if I say basically what it is, the whole movie is a uh it's a um it's a gay love story. Ah. Um ah. it's about a uh Yakuza who's coming to terms with the fact that he's attracted to his boss. Um still fighting with it, goes on this really weird journey. Um through uh kind of an analog for his own mind mm-hmm. um his own fucked up mind and then finally he comes out the other side uh, and realizes that uh his boss has both feminine qualities and masculine qualities uh so it's kind of like it plays with genders a lot huh and that's what the ending is supposed to signify He's like now he can live with it because he's um, he's not so much attracted to like he sees both genders and no genders together. Wow, which is really progressive, like state like that's the way I took it. That's the way I took it. That's incredibly smart for a movie that had a drooling cow head in it. And the ghost of a, a cross-dressing uh, Japanese waiter uh, pooping. Oh, God. That was <laughs> that was insane. So, yeah. Um, how many Dan Hideos do you give uh, ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. I, I have to be fair and give it uh, and give it 10 as well, because um, these movies don't hold back 
in regards to like, hey, did you think we were going one way? No, please. <laughs> don't don't insult us. <laughs> you can have your three act structure like a pussy where you could be a fucking man and take whatever it is we give you the mystery box you know <laughs> um but yeah uh shall we wrap it up yes yeah i think this is this is the most that we can do just before we close out uh i just want to uh, you know remind everybody please uh donate to um, if you're in New York City, uh, bit, donate to bailoutnyc.com uh, to help uh, the bail fund for the people protesting uh, against police brutality. Also, donate to the George Floyd Memorial Fund, um, the Bri- Breonna Taylor Memorial Fund, and I run with uh, with uh, uh, our with I'm sorry, I run with Ahmad. Uh, that uh, that memorial fund as well. Um, so yeah, and that's, that's, uh, pretty much it. So, um, all right. With that, I'm Pablo Morales Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are the Robots versus Texas program on Radio Free Brooklyn. And while you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the Week. Silencio. Light hits 
There's so much a man can tell me, so much he can say. You remain my power, my pleasure, my pain. To me, you're like a grown addiction that I can't deny. Now, won't you tell me, is that healthy, baby? But did you know that when it snows, my eyes become a large and a light? That you shine can't be seen the gloom.